Listener Production. Welcome to the Footy Talk Summer Series, where we're showing you a little bit of something else that we also produce here at the Listener Studios. The Howie Games is Australia's number one sports podcast. It's where the biggest names in world sport go one-on-one with Mark Howard. To date, Howie has published over 200 episodes and across the next few weeks in this Footy Talk feed, we're going to be sharing some mini versions of those episodes just to give you a little bit of a taster of some of our favourite footy personalities. In this mini episode of the Howie Games, Howie sat down with Nathan Buckley back in 2019 and he spoke about his first memories of playing football his father's experience in Vietnam and the knee accident that almost ended his footy career before it even started. When do you first remember kicking the footy, Nath? One of my earliest memories um, was training with Dad uh, at Super Rules. Right. (laughs) And um, lane lane work with, with the old... Dudes, and they used to really punch the drop kicks in, <laughs> and and I took a chesty, or what I thought was a chest mark, but it actually it hit my right bicep and abs like just like a belly whacker. I, I, I remember, I, I I think I was nearly in tears. It stung. I took the mark. But, <laughs> of course you did. But um, that's one of, that's one of my earliest ones. But I mean, I, obviously, I that was actually I reckon I was about seven or eight at that point, sort of running around, sort of sort of having kick of the footy with the Super Bowls guys but clearly um, you know from an early age kicking sort of uh, kicking a pair of socks around the uh, the corridor or um, used to make an ice coffee cart and push the corners in fill it with, with paper tissue paper and push the corners in and, and tape it up and kick that around inside because <laughs> I, I couldn't uh, didn't always have a footy I wasn't always allowed to kick a footy inside but I think um Reflecting on it, I always had a passion for for sport um, and for ball sports, and and in particular footy, because dad was uh, dad was always in it, and and uh, that was not just his passion, but his, his profession there for a little while as a coach as well. And, and your dad travelled all around, which you travel with, um, which we'll have a chat about. I should have looked beforehand. I meant to look beforehand. Did your dad serve? Yeah, so dad went to Vietnam for. A seven-month period. Um, I remember an incredible yeah. story that Neil Kearney did when. Yeah, went so we back went ac- we went across in in two thousand and ten. Um, back met, to met, yeah, back to Vietnam with Dad first dad time. No, uh, no, he that was the first time he'd wow. been back, and it was the first time that we'd really sort of spoken about it and opened up on it. So. The plane trip over, he'd actually put a as Dad does. He'd, he'd put a, a document together. Um, had had um, printed out a whole heap of information on the war, uh, on his time there, on the reasons for it, um, on the key events that occurred, you know, throughout the Vietnam War, um, and he was able to read through things. And so, as you would understand, his truth and his recollection, you know, is one perspective of it. But he was keen to just to tell me that his perspective of his involvement in the war and Australia's involvement in the war. So I had about 80, pa- 80 pages to read on the, on, the, on the flight over, which um, which was great. Though? Yeah, it was it was it was really good. It was um, yeah. Look, it was one of those um, one of those adventures, really. Um, and time spent with Dad that uh, that you, I think every. 
every son sort of needs to do with his old man just to get to know him a little bit better. Um, we think we know we're our dads and we think we, we know our family really well, but very rarely do you sort of get out of your day-to-day and, and actually get them to talk about themselves in a, in a really deep sense and say, share some secrets and some... And what was his overarching feeling coming back from being in that situation, mate? Well, he carries, he carries, and and his mates carried a lot of resentment around how that came about. For one, like he went through training, and there was was, um, he, was he conscripted? No, well, he went. He wasn't conscripted, but uh, so he was. Yeah, so he was conscripted, but when he was basically ninety percent through his training, that was repealed, right. and all of all of the people in his uh, regiment were allowed were basically told you can go if you want, but you don't have to. And he decided to. Yeah, well, they all did because right. they'd already got all their, their heads around it, and I can understand that yeah. totally. So, the, sorry, the resentment you were saying. Yeah, well, the, but, but then I think that added to the resentment because in the end they sort of. The guys that Dad went with, even though they were conscripted, they actually ended up having the choice on whether they went or not. So, does that mean that you lose your you, that your resentment gets diminished because you actually got a you've actually had a choice? So he was in that sort of nexus at that point. But um, when they came back, they were he he spoke to me about you know off the plane, don't go through the terminal because the protesters are there. They didn't like so don't go don't go through the terminal, just walk around that way. And um, that was that was the thank you and the goodbye for serving your country. There was no more contact from the government. There was no more contact to, um, of support or... Which is the opposite, the way we like to think we treat those that have served us. Yeah, and, and, and because it was... Not like the Vietnam War was, was seen as a war that we didn't need to be at, but we still had Australian people fighting in it and Dad was one of those for a short period. And... Um, you know, he sacrificed and put his life on the line, um, and he was a he was a gunner, so he was in the artillery. So they were a little bit away from the front line, and they'd be lobbing shells over the top of the the, uh, the infantry at times. Um, so, but even having said that, like he's in another country, and you mm. camped up, and you camped up, and you had times when um, when the enemy would come into the camp, and and there was some some deaths. Um, in that circumstance, so you're not putting your head on your pillow, or if you had a pillow, you're not putting your head down with any real comfort. So, Dad went through all of that. His mates went through all that. He lost mates, and then he come back, and then you you basically said, oh, "Go that way, e- exit stage left," and hmm. never to never hear from the the people that you worked for, that you had. Um, Sacrifice for, or that you had invested in, um, and there, there was a lot of resentment from Dad and, and the and the people that were involved uh, at that time, which you can understand. My word, I, I read I read your book All I Can Be with Ben Collins, which is pretty um, honest because most books about people, it's all the good stuff, but you put mm. the bad stuff in there as well. It, your Dad wrote you a lot of letters. Mm. Would you mind reading just the first paragraph of this letter? And now we've heard about your dad. I think people mm. will understand where he's coming from and, mm. and look back and think whether he's got it. Just that first paragraph from Dear Nathan. Uh, Dear Nathan, for some time now I've been saying to you that you have to get tougher, which has brought about various reactions from you. In my overview on life, no one gives you anything. You have to earn it. Your main achievements will be the ones you earn, and to win more than you lose, you have to be tough. The toughness I'm talking about is mental and physical and applies to business and everyday life as much as sport. What do you reckon? Yeah, well... 
he wrote you a lot of letters. Yeah, well, th- I haven't picked up that book for um, a long time. It's a good well, book. I, yeah, well, I, I, it, it is a, it, it's something I'm really proud of because you know I, I'm, I have pride about my, my upbringing. Um, I, I'm really proud of mum and dad and what they were able to provide for myself and my sister. And I and I have a greater appreciation for it now than I ever ever did as as a you know, a as a dad of my of my own. But probably even not just as a dad, but just with more understanding of the way the world works. It's interesting in that you know, ment- dad mentions mental and physical, mm. and he would the emotional side of my life. Um, and my understanding and my the importance I place on emotions, your own, and understanding others, and and how important that is the emotional maturity. Uh, see, for Dad, I think it was it was pretty black and white. Yeah, I think I don't think emotion. Yeah, if you put mental, physical, and emotion, yeah, and emotional together, f- mental and physical would have been right up there, and emotional was down here. Yeah. And and I, you know, Dad was a guy that held his emotions. Pretty close, and I reckon I and he and I was parented that way, so that's the way I was for a long time. Um, Mum was the opposite; she was always, you know, life of the party, you know, peacock, you know, wanting to talk to people, connect with people flat out, and it was all about emotional connections for her. So I'm, I was somewhere in between. photo in here you book with half your leg hanging out as a young bloke, Nathan. The knee accident that almost ended my football career at 1988. That's a big old gash. Yeah. What happened there? Oh, we went with, so it was 1988. So, yeah, I, th- I thought I was 15. Might have been earlier that year before I turned 16. So I reckon it was around Easter in 88. Um, went fishing with a couple of mates. So went over, stayed at a mate's place and we got up and sort of, some ridiculous hour, three in the morning or something, got on our bikes and went down to the wharf. Mm. And we reckon we got bored of fishing about half hour in. It was just three 15-year-olds <laughs> just getting in, just looking for trouble, basically, and we found it. <laughs> in, a, in a fairly <laughs> yeah. major way on your leg. Yeah. yeah, so we, I think we were fishing for a little while and then we were, we were having races around the wharf on our bikes and, and then, um, uh, so Dawn... Approached and the light was coming out. And we sort of the rocks were on the on the side of this wharf, and we were trying to push these big rocks down the down the slope. And we got we got we got one or two off, and like they they were they were fair. Like it took three of us to try and dislodge these rocks to get them down. And uh, I was pushing on one. Uh, we, were, we were pushing on one at one stage, and I got caught on the wrong side of the rock. So I was on the downslope of this quite large boulder, and I, I was I don't know how, but I was able to sort of get myself out of its path, I thought I did anyway. Um, the rock had, had had sort of landed on my right leg, the inside of my right leg, and by the time I sort of looked down, my, that had rolled around and it was on the underside of my right leg, the inside of my right leg. Um, and it had you know, basically had split. It looked like a carving knife had gone through it. So it was a, it was, I think it was a contact injury, but I had nothing on the other side. I, just, I still don't really know exactly how I didn't, Crush my, my my leg or my knee or, but it ended up, um, yeah. So uh, I was bleeding out basically, and um, 
the ambulance was about 15 minutes away. Um, I ended up having um, 80, 80 stitches in the wound, so I had to stitch around the VMO, which had been sliced in half, and so I had to stitch stitch a muscle back together and then a couple of layers to... And I think you know, it was ended up being about a five, six-inch gash um, in the inside of my leg. I was on, I was in, uh, I was on a, in the hospital for two weeks. I was in a chair for, you know, for about six weeks, and I was on crutches for three or four months um, around school. So it was... Um, but as I said, that's probably the resilience aspect. I, th- I look back at that and I think, oh, yeah, that was just what happened. But when you're in the moment, it's a bit more than just what's happening. Like you and, – and I don't even – like physically it, it affected me because I love playing sport and I wasn't able to go and do that. It's, I suppose when you get to a 15, 16-year-old, you're sort of thinking about, you know, is this going to affect me for the rest of my life as well? You know, at, what's this going to mean? At, at that stage, were you thinking a career in... Yeah, I thought my tennis career, career was oh, done. Tennis. So it was tennis. <laughs> it was tennis I, at that stage. I was, uh, I, I, drove, I was in the ambulance and, and the ambulance went past the, the, the tennis courts oh, that I played no. and worked at and... Um, uh, and, I, and I teared up because I thought my tennis, <laughs> I thought my tennis career was over. So that's just a small taster of Howie's chat with Nathan Buckley from back in 2019. If you want to hear the full-length episodes, there was a Part A and Part B release. I've chucked the link to listen to those episodes in the description here. In those uh, episodes, you'll hear Bucks talk about his tennis career, his perception of toughness and some of the lessons he's learnt along his journey. It's a fascinating listen, much like all of Howie's episodes. And if you are really loving this content, make sure you go and listen to the Howie Games. You can listen to it on Apple, Spotify or the Listener app. There's plenty more sports celebrities to listen to where this came from. Listener.